As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. This is the Civilized Barking Podcast with Zach Jackson. Hey everybody, Civilized Barking, welcome to December in Berea, although we're not in Berea. Zach Jackson, Jason Lloyd. Uh, we know what week it is. We know what's happening. The Browns got a big win last week. They sent Jacoby Brissett out a winner, and Deshaun Watson is here. His time has been served, his 11-game suspension for violations of the pers- NFL's personal conduct policy is up. He's met all the conditions. Um that the NFL set out and agreed to. We know what it's been for eight and a half months, guys, and now we finally get to see the football part. So, Jason, we're both going to Houston over the next 40-ish, 48 hours. I don't know what day it is. <laughs> um, and, and and we will get to, you know, the football part. We did the roundtable where we wrote about, you know, basically what, what we think we know and all of that. Um, the Texans are really bad and possibly historically bad. So I think that has tempered some of it. But we still got potential for some wild scenes and some different stuff on Sunday. So just to your eyes and to your ears then, I guess, as you walk into and then spend X amount of hours in that stadium on Sunday, what what do you expect to see from from the fans interacting with Deshaun Watson's standpoint? And the Texans players, well, I guess, too. I've said for weeks, I thought, you know, nothing will ever top what LeBron experienced when he came back to Cleveland, but I thought this could be runner-up to that. And apparently that was stupid to think and ridiculous because I think fans in Houston have given up on the Texans. They've checked out, as most fans do on a team that looks and plays like this. And I heard John McClain, the longtime uh, Texans write a longtime Houston football writer for the Houston Chronicle yesterday on NFL radio, Sirius NFL, Sirius XM NFL channel. Say basically, yeah, right. <laughs> basically, he's expecting half the state to be full of Browns fans cheering for Deshaun. And that's nothing like what I was expecting. But he said there's just apathy set in and this team's awful and everyone's all in on the Astros and the Texans are just a afterthought. And the Browns have a huge fan base in Houston. Obviously, Houston is a massive city. 
And John was saying they always have a, a decent visiting crowd come through just because of transplants. But he's he believes that the Browns transplants is the biggest of all. And so he's expecting a really loud presence from from Browns fans. So it's it goes completely against what I've been thinking all this time. But I take his word for it. Yeah, um, I, I'm a little unsure on what to expect. Like, I think there will be signs and people trying to get noticed uh, outside the stadium. Do I think there will be hundreds of them? No. Do I think dozens or a couple of groups? Yes. You know, I definitely think not just this week, but certainly this week, there's going to be an element of what we saw in Jacksonville where there will be loud chants. There will be signs, you know, until slash unless they get taken away. I think the Browns are going to deal with that for a long time. Um, and, and you know, obviously in NFL games and in, in these settings, people yell stuff, people are fans, and they try to get under your skin, the content of which is probably not what they're going, the Browns are going to experience. So I am... I am anxious to see that. And and frankly, you know, we don't know that this is the strongest Browns team, right? We saw him put a lot uh, into beating Baker Mayfield in week one, and it took them like six weeks to find their groove again. <laughs> you know, a couple things went wrong in Atlanta, and it spiraled into a month-long um, misery streak. So riding high from last week and then going there in these circumstances, will it unite them? Will it divide them? I don't know. I think it's a fair, it's a fair question to ask without really having a real answer. But, you know, I think there's a strong possibility it doesn't affect anything. But Deshaun is human. You know, I was there today. I thought just watching him walk out, do the interview, just watching and listening the extent of the 8, 10, 12 minutes, whatever it was, I thought he seemed much more comfortable than he was previously. And that was understandable, right? This he, He's now playing. He's he's done this. Uh, he didn't just find out some verdict, right? He, he didn't get grilled for 25 or 45 minutes about things he did or, di- or didn't do. So He's back you know, in I, his world. He's back yeah. in his world this week. This is what he knows. This right. is, it's back to normal. It's getting back to normal for him. Yeah, I don't think it's normal, but it's getting back to normal, right? Right. So, um, you know, from a football standpoint, I, I expect there to be some rust. You know, I don't think that that uh, three series in a preseason game is necessarily any fair indication. But I also think you can say, okay, the Browns are probably not going to come flying out of the gate and, and do everything right. I think there's going to be um, some times where he forces things or some times where he maybe doesn't have full grasp of the playbook, and they're going to have to deal with that. So from a football standpoint, what do you think it looks like for, say, the first half on Sunday? I think they I, I think they put the ball in his hands. And, and listen, I don't think he's going to cut it loose and throw it 45 times necessarily. But, you know, one of his biggest weapons is his feet. And I think you're going to see a lot of RPO right off the bat. He takes the snap, and it's him and Nick. It's him and Chubb. And who's going to get the carry? Is it is it Nick on the keeper? Is it Deshaun around the edge? Uh, I think they'll, they'll give him some easy reads early on to make a play. And can you crumple up the entire playbook and throw it out in three practices. No, that's probably not realistic. Uh, but, you know, I was doing the the show today that I do, the YouTube show, and we had Joe Thomas on, and I asked Joe basically that same question. And Joe said more or less that it comes down to the timing with the receivers. Like, that's the biggest thing is can he can they find a rhythm in three practices? And we saw yesterday uh, a lot of drops, it looked like, uh, when – he finally got under center and, and took the took the field. The guys all and and the ball was coming out a lot faster than it did with with Jacoby. Yeah, 
Well, I, I got to address that, though. Um, Go ahead. That's individual drills at the beginning of practice. That's the only part we're allowed to see. And he's been in those practices for four weeks, three weeks. Well, so that's no different. So um, he's doing the think... same guys for three weeks? Yes, yes. That he, He's been in that part of practice, yes. The, those are just guys lined up, quarterback taking a simulated snap, quick, quickly – Throwing it as they get loose at the start of practice. Are so they is running? that just coincidence? Like I'm not, I'm, I'm not being combative. I'm. You just think it's, it's just one of those days. Like it's first yeah. early in the practice, and sure, sure. guys aren't and, ready yet and dropping balls. Right, and and he's been in three weeks of practices, not in thirteen. But that's all that is. That that's no different. Guys are are running something simulated to plays, but that that is. Listen, if if, if individuals. Um, are set for 14 minutes of the beginning of practice and the Browns are opening it for 13 minutes and 55 seconds. We're not getting any extra glimpse, right. right. Of, of one formation. So yeah. Um, no, no. Is there, does the ball come off of different quarterbacks hands differently? Yes. You know, would a guy in his first practice, knowing he's being taped, knowing that everybody's watching him on the sideline and in, in the practice, maybe Short arm one or throw in with too much gas because he's feeling human emotion. Yes, but I mean that was not plays that the Browns are going to run on the six play the game on Sunday. That was early practice stuff. So, um, so what do you, you know, think? What, what does this look like Sunday? I, I think it mostly looks like the Browns offense that we've seen for two and a half seasons under Kevin Stefanski. I think we see a little more shotgun. I think on a couple of occasions. We see formations we haven't seen, um, and that would be more spread spread out looks for just the quarterback in Nick Chubb, just the quarterback for Kareem Hunt. But I think early on, I think you're mostly going to see this offense. I think you're going to see a highly scripted environment. I think the Browns are, are better in that environment, right? And, um, you know, I can judge on the open practices we saw in the spring, most of which were rough. I can judge on a couple of weeks in training camp. I think we saw the regular offense. There were a couple of times where I noted or I looked up from my phone and said, oh, that's different. you know." And it was Deshaun faking a handoff and running to the corner with the intention of, now I can decide, is my first read there or can I back off? And I certainly think we've seen Stefanski's offense work really well with misdirection stuff, with bootleg stuff. And now a guy who's a real threat with the ball not just off that fake could certainly open it up, but I, I don't. I think we're going to see a mix of mostly what we've seen with a different player, and you know, a, a guy who maybe isn't sure totally on what to do because I, I I completely agree with the timing of the receivers and just when they had started to establish something with Jacoby. Maybe those same three plays we've seen Amari and Donovan Peoples Jones get on open on all year, you know, will be there. Um, so I, I don't think it's going to be a ton different. I, I really thing, don't. One thing I want to ask you, I was, I was talking to Wyatt Teller about this, uh, a few days ago and Wyatt said offensive linemen love this offense because, and you've touched on this a number of times, the misdirection, your eyes are over here and the plays over there. Can, can Deshaun exacerbate that at all with his ability to run? Just the, the the misdirection component of this, and the and the fact that you think it's going right when actually it's going left. It seems like I we see it. I've seen it, but I feel like that's a whole other 
component of this that could be unlocked now with a quarterback who can move like this. Yeah, no doubt. Um, it, it will affect, though, it won't just be in that moment. It'll it'll affect in the base coverages teams play, right? You you play a bunch of man against Lamar Jackson, and you ex- you worry about all of a sudden he's at 15 yards before you know where the ball is, right? Yeah. But yes, that 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 will affect everything. So, um, you know, we we know that teams were not real scared of Jacoby Brissett throwing over their heads. We saw a couple of times, once or twice, it worked. Several times it didn't. Where the Browns tried to take advantage of that, and they they had Peoples Jones on a deep flyer in the sideline, and, and they had to hit it. So, um, yeah, that 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 is certainly a part of it. I think for the most part. Um, Teams would rather a quarterback scramble around, go through two reads, and then if he runs for 15 yards, they'd rather do that than give you up, give up a 25-yard pass to start yeah. with, right? Yeah, yeah. I think they'll maybe be a little less hesitant to blitz Deshaun. But, you know, f- for all the things that I think Deshaun and Stefanski and Drew Petzing and, and Van Pelt will have to work out, you know, I, I watched the Bucks defense that seemed to know where the Browns were going almost all game last game outside the first and last drive, quite frankly. So in that way, is it a good thing? Yes. Now, it's more like the first or second game for the offense and the 14th game for the defense. That's why it's good that the Browns have a scrimmage this weekend. And I know, guys, I've covered the Browns for a long time. I'm not ever saying that any game is a layup. But the Texans are really bad on both sides. And this should be a good one to where the Browns don't have to feel like that they need to win 35-33, right? They can run their stuff. They can get him acclimated, and they can feel like, okay, we can win this game, doing what we do and mixing in what we do, and then for the next two weeks, we feel much better in terms of physical rust on Deshaun, in terms of communication, play caller to coach, in terms of huddle to the other players, and then the timing of the receivers, which ultimately will be most important. I mean, the ideal – it's almost like a preseason game in this, Jason. The ideal thing would be Stefanski has a good script. He almost always does. And then they get a chance to like run a two-minute drill just to work on it, right, at yeah. the end of the first half, something like that. Now, obviously, you don't want to say, well, it's great if they're down four with three minutes left and they have to go the length of the field. Right. But, you know, if they can get some different situations and they can kind of get a mix of calling a play that they've, done, that they've drawn up for five months and think will work in that situation versus Deshaun saying, hey, you know, last time we ran this, the backside looked open. Or the last time we ran this, I threw it to the tight end. And really, I just got excited. If I wait one more second, some some other avenue comes totally open here. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Something random that just popped in my head while you were talking. 
I, I think if if I'm Kevin, I think I take the ball regardless to start the game. Get him on the field and go. I'm curious what you think of that. They they won the toss and they took the ball. That's the only time this year I can recall the Browns winning the toss and taking the ball. Obviously, most teams defer. But in this instance, I think I want the ball in his hands right away. Do you agree or disagree? Um, I, I, I agree. Now, that's not something I had thought of before seven seconds ago when you said it. Um, but I mostly agree. I did notice it last week. Um, I think we did talk about it briefly. I never did get I, an explanation why. I don't know if it was weather related or if it was just wanting to get play play from ahead. I, I, I think know. it was the chance to play ahead and and to not have Rashad White run for sixty five yards on the first drive, and he did. Yeah, I was um, just saying he did anyway, <laughs> right? <laughs> but I think that's what it was. Yeah, no, um, just like the whole press conference thing, just like all of the stuff going around this week. Like, do it and get it over what over with, right? Take the ball, get him out there, just do it. Yeah. Don't let him stand on the sideline and hear any more shit than he's going to. Because right? you almost know, like, you know you're going to get it at the 25 or thereabouts, right? Like, barring something weird, you're going to get it at the 25. You can build your script on. Because if the Texans, more or less, I mean, I haven't looked at their history, but I would imagine they're going to defer if they win the toss. So if you go into the game going, hey, if we win the toss, we're going to get the ball, you have a 99% chance you're starting the game with the ball. And you're going to start at the 25, and you build the script knowing, here's where we're going to get the ball. This is what you like to do. We're going to get comfortable and we're going to go right now with this. Yeah. And I, and there's all these things then the first time he comes over and says to Petsing or to Alex, Hey, I saw this here. Hey, I did this wrong. Hey, if we, next time we run this, this, this is there. The first time he gets hit, like he has, he hasn't been hit in two years. He has yep. to do it. Right. Yep. Yep. <laughs> and, and we're talking about a top, top level athlete here, but you're, when a guy hasn't done that, you do worry that, you know, especially when he's going to be as juiced up emotionally as he is, you don't want something silly to happen. And he pulls or tears something on the first drive of the game. Right. Well, so th- that's what I was going to ask you. Do you think there's more of an injury risk because it's been 700 days since he's been hit or no? Um, yes and no. I mean, I'm clearly no sports scientist, but um, <laughs> no, I think it's something you, you, you have to think it, think about, right? Like the only way to play this game is, is to play it at full speed. And, you know, going all the way back to August when the Eagles were here um, for those two days, it was really, really obvious that the Philadelphia Eagles were good. But in in those situations, when you're not tackling Jalen Hurts to the ground, when you're not tackling Nick Chubb and Deshaun Watson to the ground, that's not really football, (laughs) right? So not all like – in, in in quarterbacks get hit in the preseason. I think Deshaun took one, right? But mostly it was the Browns booting the ball around, whether it was passes or fumbles. There is kind of a gentleman's agreement. You're not getting blitzes. You're not all that. I mean, who the Texans like to sit back and cover two defense and, and dare you to throw to certain spots. But who's to say they're not going to bring eight one time the first time they think they have the Browns red and that he's not going to get smacked stepping right. on the ball, right? right. So that, that that's all part of football. Um, every, every play can – be a player's last Joe Thomas never missed one until he didn't play anymore right so um we'll see I I am looking forward to to the environmental part of it from the day what it's a noon local game right so the, the gates probably open at 10 or 10 30 um I don't know if you're staying where I'm staying but I usually stay about a mile it's a walk not a yeah. drive to the stadium you kind of feel it there in that place you know um so I, I I'm looking forward to that like I said it, 
just for the environmental part of it and the atmosphere part of it and it being on in more than 6% of the country, I wish it was against a better opponent. I think, and this could be significant, I think it works out to the Browns that like, okay, it's awkward he's going to Houston. It's awkward. It's shaped some of the discussion here. But the Browns have a chance to succeed without playing a perfect game here. If if it does go poorly for the offense, the defense can win it, right? Like they, they've got a chance to treat this like a scrimmage and then set up um, better as he gets more comfortable. Because I think here, look, we're not running from the fact that a lot of people, starting with the head coach and the quarterback himself, are going to be judged on what they do these next six games. But I – I'm going to be both a more confident in their performances and be more confident in my own evaluation in game three and four for Watson than I am going to be in the second quarter this Sunday. It's just amazing how one win flips everything. It just seems people are so much more optimistic and encouraged about this Browns. Oh, that was an all time four and seven parade. And there've been some parades here, but that was an all time (laughs) four and seven. And listen, look credit. I mean, Todd Bowles is not a head coach. But a lot didn't go the Browns' way. I mean, they went eight straight possessions without scoring. Yeah. They found a way to win the game. Some guts, some poise, things that have been missing from this team all year long, special teams plays, right? Like, they hung in there, and, and they did it. They, they've they earned this right. So um, 10 teams or 11 teams in the AFC have four wins. No tiebreaker. We know it would take a miracle. But they go here now as the season shifts. They finally put this part behind them. And they have this followed by two division games. Like they have chances to say, "Hey, we're really on the right track here, and and, and we're doing things." And, and so, therefore, it's this is much more compelling television than previous Browns December's have been in in a lot of cases. Yeah. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner StubHub has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over twenty years, providing a one hundred percent guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Uh, let's. I was not there today. I was, like I said, I was doing the YouTube show. They kind of sprung it that it was going to be today. Obviously, Deshaun was supposed to talk yesterday, did not. I would have bet on tomorrow as the day, as the typical Friday news dump, less time to react, people moving into the weekend, not really paying attention, uh, but they they put them out there today. You were there, just take us through the scene, what he said, what he didn't say. Uh, I'm kind of over the whole thing, and if that makes me insensitive, then that makes me insensitive. I, I told you that, I told someone else we work with, like at some point we have to get back to covering the game. And we got to get back to covering the team. And he served his time. He paid his fine. Settled almost all the cases. And I, there's nothing left really that for me to ask him in terms of the off-field stuff. Uh, but but you were there, so take us through what happened today. Yeah, no, I know. I agree. Like, first of all, nothing we say or write. And, and we, me, you, anyone else in our company, anyone else of our peers that work for other companies is going to change anybody's opinion, <laughs> right? It, right? Right. And the Browns said, we're doing this. The league said, okay, we've we've settled. We've investigated this. We've had hearings. Now you're allowed to play. And so he's allowed to play. Um, I do think there was something to be said for just getting out there and, and moving it all along because this is an NFL work week. This is an NFL team that's always under 
a certain amount of spotlight. And the longer he didn't talk, the more his teammates were still going to get asked about it, right? Like right. this is a right. this is a player that has the biggest guaranteed contract in NFL history, right? And he hasn't been there for this team that's had all sorts of issues, a lot of them related to leadership and stability and what who's really running the stuff around here. You need your leader, right? So um, we were waiting today, and then there was a shift in location. They needed to clear the area. Um, so it was people were kind of standing around and, and you know for the there there were more media than normal, Jason. It was not like a mob by any means. It was not all of a sudden hundred people, right? It was, was it everybody probably, yesterday? Yesterday felt like more than usual. Was was everyone from yesterday back today or did it was a very similar sized crowd, probably fifteen to twenty more than usual. Not okay. certainly not thirty or forty, right? Yeah, so yeah. Everybody, you know, the cameramen kind of pick up their stuff. Well, I look over and I see this person I've never seen before. And, you know, not that I know everybody in the media, but I've covered this team in this league for a long time. Okay, I don't know who this is. We, we get there and he's not setting up a camera or anything. He's kind of standing in the back is where I am. It starts. And at one point he pumps his fist on one of Deshaun's answers. So, obviously, Deshaun's team brought in their own personal PR guy here. And I'm just sitting there thinking, this this is the Browns. Like, there's always something extra. There's always something brand new here. There's always something else going on. So just do this and get out of the way. What was was maybe him not being here yesterday? The reason did Deshaun need one more day of coaching? I don't know. But they came out. The PR director said, "We're going to call on you. We're not just going to fire questions." Deshaun said, "You know, um, this relates to my legal team and my clinical team. I'm going to answer football questions." And then first, right off the bat, he was asked about his counseling and therapy. And no, that's directly not a football question. But when that counseling and therapy are conditions of you returning to play football, I thought it was fair. Yeah. He very politely said, no, uh, I'm not going to go there. And then, you know, frankly, had a normal press conference. Like I said, watching him, because they moved the site, he was kind of in the background about 50 yards away. And as the camera guys were setting up, I kind of watched him just interacting with some staff members, with a teammate, watched him walk out the 20 or so yards from one door to where it was actually set up. He was completely different in his body language than he had been in his three or four previous uh, media events. He was completely different, I thought, in engaging the questions. It was clear to me that he had set out to compliment the city of Houston in the Texans. It was clear to me that he had set out to compliment Jacoby Brissett for the job that he not only did for this team, but you know, behind the scenes and the time Deshaun's been around in the summer and, and since mid-October. But it also came off as genuine. It, it really did. And, you know, you and I talked. You got to hear the snippets, follow all the tweets. You and I talked on the phone an hour or so before we recorded this. Um, nothing controversial. I thought in all his previous ones he had really bad, bad answers. He had none of the such today. You know, I, I thought, like I said, a, a lot of it was scripted, and that's just how this week's going to go. Um, football and non-football, and I thought a lot of it he he gave good insight into. I watched other quarterbacks. I've tried to master this scheme. Uh, he didn't just say I watched Jacoby. He said I watched and listened to how Jacoby talked to Amari Cooper and Peoples Jones. I didn't want to just know. I wanted to hear from both sides where they thought they were supposed to be on that play, why that play worked, why it didn't. So, you know, I think. Because they've known the actual verdict since mid-August, and they had some idea before that, you would think they're as prepared as they can be from from the game plan standpoint, right? From the, this is what we want it to look like with Deshaun. This is what we feel like he can 
master to an extent in this amount of time. And this is what we want it to look like a week, two weeks, a month from now. So, you know, I, I, I said it being out of the way is a plus. I think the operationally, they feel good. I mean, this is not a 22-year-old rookie. He's 27. He's played at a high level. He's played 50-some NFL games. He's played playoff games, right? So when you take out just the raw emotion, and I'm sure there will be that, nerves, all of that, you know, I think the Browns feel like they're prepared. And, you know, not that Stefanski would answer this if you asked him, but he probably feels like there's a high percentage of the playbook, and it's probably not close, like real close to 100, but you have to feel like there's a high percentage of the playbook that they feel like they can get into um, if they need to in the third and fourth quarters on Sunday. Real quick, I just want to circle back on the the PR component of this. I think I actually think it's a great move because I, I don't think he's handled these well at all. And you can have an agent and a quarterback coach and a manager, but none of those people are crisis management type of advisors. And, you know, between his defense team and – agent and everything else, I don't know that he was getting very good advice because right. at, the, at the opening, at his introductory press conference, I was figuratively holding my head a couple times going, oh my God, what yes. are you doing? And even in some of the uh, interviews that, that followed that, he, he really stepped in it a couple of times. So I think that's really smart. I don't, and, and you see a lot of high profile guys have their own publicist or their own PR people. It happens all the time. You don't necessarily have to run it through the team. So I don't have a problem with that. I think it was smart and and long overdue and needed. And hopefully, Zach, after Sunday, it will be only football. And no, that doesn't mean these women are forgotten. But at some point, you and I have a job to do, and it's football. That, and and, and right. we have to get back to doing our jobs. That's right. And you know, there is a chance and maybe even a good one that this ends up working out from a football standpoint. You know, to me, like I have tried to be clear on, my issue was with the Browns saying that they were strong enough and unified enough organizationally to say they could handle all this. You just made a great point about how it, how it goes on everywhere in pro sports, right? About how some of the best ones use this advice and, and know that they have certain moments to look good. There, there's part of this that's never going to look good, whether he's 99% guilty or 1% guilty, right? So it does move to the next phase. It does move to how it works. There will be people who were disgusted who will be high-fiving if he throws three touchdowns in the first home game two weeks from now. There will be some who won't, and that's fine, right? We'll see. Um, the Browns said they're ready to be a championship-level organization and that this was the missing piece. Um how close to that are that? Are they to that? How close can they be to that? We're going to find out, but it starts Sunday. And I agree. Um, there will be probably, Jason, some some lingering effects of because the first game is in Houston because it is the first game. But by when by two Wednesdays from now, it'll be, hey, Deshaun, um, you threw that pick. Did you just miss the guy? Did you see something? Hey, you right. came back and you made that guy bite on the pump fake and you threw the touchdown. Was that something you guys schemed up? Or did you just in the moment, right? Then we'll be talking about football, right? And like today, I thought he gave really good answers on where he thinks he's progressed football-wise and what he feels like he, you know, are, are going to work for him as far as learning this scheme without ever doing it. Starting Sunday at noon local, he goes out and does it, and we see. And um, you know, you and I both thought it was noteworthy when when we had that when that map came out yesterday 
The Texans are mud, guys. But Houston's the third biggest city, fourth biggest city in the country. Um, it's really rare. Like it feels like by design, the NFL kind of buried this game. Now, nothing the NFL does is buried, especially in the social media age. We we know that, right? But you and I were both in agreement. Like, okay, this this was probably intentional. That very little of the country is going to see this game. The oddest part of that map, if you go back and pull it up, apparently there's a lot of Texans fans in Lubbock. Like, <laughs> it's yeah, like, obviously right. That's <laughs> the only other spot. Like, it's Ohio outside of Cincinnati. You know, a, a shade of Indiana that they consider Browns. I guess a touch of Pennsylvania north of Pittsburgh that I guess they consider. And then, like, right around Houston. And then all of a sudden, Lubbock. So, I just – I learned something new yesterday. I guess they think there's a lot of Houston Texans fans in Lubbock, Texas. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the Cowboys don't play till Sunday night. So, it's not like there was a split there on the early window game. Good call. In Texas. Good call. <laughs> so, but we'll see. And we're waiting. Um, the NFL actually, guys, has, has, has taken the max amount of days that it can to decide on week 15 when the Browns are one of five games designated for three Saturday slots. And then there's also a potential flip in there to the Sunday night game, which I guess is probably the ultimate holdup. But for the league to wait this long on the stadiums, knowing whether the game's going to be on Saturday or Sunday, because for the stadiums and the parking lots and the logistics, it's a lot different than it either being one o'clock or eight twenty. Um, that tells me something's up. And like I said, it could, I could easily believe that it's the Sunday night game waiting on to see if they want to make it Miami-Buffalo when that's one of the Saturday designees. But I also think it has to do with, are we going to showcase Deshaun Watson or, or are we not? So we'll see. Again, as we've been saying since March, the Browns signed up for this. The Browns say it's right. Um, their messaging's been a little sloppy and choppy. Frankly, Jimmy Haslam's the only one who's come out and said, look, we did this because he's a great quarterback, and that's what counts. Yep. And so on Sunday in Houston, Deshaun Watson plays for the Browns. This has been Civilized Barking, and we will talk to you early next week.